Welcome to this edition of the Dan Rayburn Podcast, a show that curates the streaming media industry news of the week that matters most, unvarnished, unscripted, and providing you with the data and analysis you need without any of the hype. The pulse of the streaming media industry. Here's your host, Dan Rayburn, with co-host Mark Donegan. Welcome to the Dan Rayburn Podcast. I am Dan Rayburn, along with my co-host, Mark Donegan. Mark, hello. You ready? We got a lot to cover today. We do. Let's go. So uh, just quick thank you to everyone for listening. Uh, Mark, we're officially, as I mentioned in the last podcast, we're over 10,000. Uh, 10, yeah, that's awesome. Downloads. Now they call it downloads, but who's really downloading this? Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> um, it's, a, it's an interesting stat, which takes us right into what we're going to first talk about are the uh, Amazon and NFL numbers. For yes. week two of NFL, which is the first game that Amazon had. So we have some numbers out here. Uh, I was hearing from advertisers, uh, the, the number was between 10 and 11 million. I, I did a blog post about this, but we didn't have any numbers from Nielsen at the time. Nielsen later that day put out numbers and Amazon put out numbers, which didn't match Nielsen's, of course. Of course. So high level, here's what we got. Nielsen uh, said that Amazon averaged 13 million viewers. Keep in mind, that's viewers. We don't know what viewers means. Nobody will say from Amazon or Nielsen, as we mentioned in the last broadcast, if you watched the game, but you left at halftime and you came back later and reinitiated a new stream, are you still one viewer or are you two? Yeah. <laughs> don't know. That's right. We're not going to get that question answered. So that is what it is. Yeah. So that 13 million number, though, also includes OTA. So if you exclude out... Um, the, the numbers from OTA, uh, the actual number of streaming viewers is 11.8 million. Hmm. After that number came out, Amazon put out their own release saying <laughs> if you take Nielsen's numbers and you take their data, they averaged 15.3 million viewers across all platforms. Hmm. They say it includes set-top boxes, connected TVs, web and mobile, Twitch, OTA, out-of-home viewing, and NFL Plus. Mm -hmm. So Nielsen's number is really just looking at Amazon and OTA. Amazon's number is looking at everything overall. Yeah. So is that good or is it bad? You know, we don't really have anything to compare it to. Some people are comparing it to Thursday Night Football last year, but that was only in the NFL Network. So yes, the number's up from that, but also that's, keep in mind, that's also during a COVID. So I, I don't think that's an apples to apples comparison. Also, it's just the first game on Amazon. We'll have to see that, how that builds over time. Yeah, We're recording this on Friday, September 23rd. So yesterday was Amazon's second game. We don't have numbers on that as of yet. So this is something to watch, but I, I think the key thing we just have to remember as an industry, like anything else, like Mark, you and I talk about all the time is methodology yes definitions the term viewer is vague we don't know what that means um, notice too that they don't say how many unique viewers they had that's right that's that's something else now amazon of course gave out an, an ama average minute audience which was mm -hmm. exactly what we knew they were going to give out yeah but they won't give out anything past that as far as defining viewership so those are the numbers 
And I'm not really surprised we don't have a lot. (laughs) What more to talk about? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, online too, you know, just a couple of things quick. People are saying, listen, this is Amazon's first game. It's expected to get better over time. Sure. Yeah, potentially it can. Uh, but here's the thing that I think they're missing the point on is, you know, Major League Baseball is now 20 years old for streaming. MLB.TV celebrated its 20th year this year. That's amazing. I know. That's crazy because I remember wow. when they released it. Yeah. Historically, the NFL has always been a sport that the majority of their viewers have watched via cable or satellite. Sure. And the cable company controls the set-top box you're getting the video from, the pipe it's coming across. It works every time. Yeah. And it has the exact same quality no matter what city you're in. That's right. So with NFL, the experience a viewer has has never been based on their technical setup. It always works. It's easy to use. Yeah. So interesting in that while the MLB you know, has really been uh, getting users used to streaming over a long period of time. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is really the start of the NFL. Yes, there's been some games. We remember Twitter. We remember some other stuff Amazon has done. Yeah, that's right. But, you know, streaming compared to what we've seen with NFL on broadcast is the exact opposite. And maybe you have a good experience or maybe you don't. Yeah. So um, for the first time, the way I look at it is the NFL is making fans wonder as they go to watch their favorite team, if the video will even work. And that's not sure. something NFL fans have ever had to wonder about in the past until now. Yeah, that's actually a really good point, Dan. And, uh, you know, I hadn't thought about that, that baseball fans in a way have, have sort of been conditioned to this already. Right. Now, granted over 20 years, the experience has, you know, to say it's improved is like a vast understatement. You know, you can, Imagine what those early streaming experiences were like, you know, compared to broadcast television in the day. But um, it's and that was a point that I made, you know, last week was that, yeah, I think one of the biggest problems is, you know, you got, I know, variable feedback on quality. And, you know, in fact, I posted that I felt like, hey, you know, I mean, I could see why people say, hey, this looks really good. Looks good. You know, I could find problems with it. And of course, we're video geeks and we can really deep dive. But there were others where, like you said, the stream, you know, didn't even start or it just it clearly did not look good. You'd have to be a golden eyes, you know, and that variability is, you know, fans have never had to deal with that. So, yeah, never before. And that's that's the same problem I had on, you know, week two just yesterday was there were still thousands of people leaving comments. I had an issue where I was getting an error on one of the devices saying video unavailable. Please try again in a few minutes. And by the way, Dan, which football game were you watching? Well, it depends (laughs) on who you ask at Amazon. I mean, support at Amazon is horrific. Someone should lose their job over support because for people that don't know, you know, Amazon's like, oh, we can handle the support calls before the game started. They were very clear about this. Now, when you call into Amazon support or you text with somebody, you don't get the prime video team support. You get just a person who's also dealing with lost packages. Lost packages. So wow. yesterday I was transferred to six different people. Mm. By the fifth person, they were like, well, I'm going to transfer you to someone in support in the actual prime video team. Great. Why don't you do that to begin with? But yeah. to, your, to your question, <laughs> twice again for the second week in a row, <laughs> I was asked by people in support, what NFL game are you trying to watch? What's the name of it? And I said, it's it's TNF. There's night football on prime. And they're like, it's live. It's going right now. There's only one game that you're streaming. They have no idea. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Also, again, I just communication. I'm dealing with people who can't type or speak English properly. I I posted Mm -hmm. one of the funny 
funny things that they were putting in the in the chat with me during one of the sessions and it's just it's not even complete sentences in english so i don't get why amazon doesn't have all of these calls chats being funneled directly to people on the prime video team to start yeah who have a script because again they're they're starting with sort of just a free for all of who you deal with starting out with different questions they ask you so support is just absolutely horrific yeah um amazon should just just come out and admit that you know, so you see other people complaining about that all night long. But I think the key takeaway here is the goal of live streaming shouldn't be, you know, almost as good as TV. So many people online were like, it's almost as good as TV. And Mark, you even just said it. You didn't yeah, say it was, I just said it. You didn't say it was <laughs> as good as TV or better. Yeah. All you said was like, well, I could find some problems with it. Yeah, yeah. Right. But it should be a superior viewing experience. Yeah. yeah. That is the big thing. So. I've seen some people also come up with excuses on a podcast. Someone said, quote, the NFL is the biggest scale you can get. 15 million viewers is a big load to place in a streaming service, end quote. It was not 15 million simultaneous users. Exactly. Yeah. It just wasn't. So it's interesting how, how some people give a pass. But, uh, you know, let's see what happens over the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Let's, yeah, let's, sure. let's see what the numbers well, are. We said it last week, you know, we said, look, some of this is going to be just kind of a play by play week by week. And, right. and you know, um, it's not giving anybody a pass. It's just the reality. Like the, this is a new, um, uh, you know, new, I was going to say muscles that Amazon is flexing, you know, that they're working out the technical challenges there. Uh, you know, some of that is just reality, you know, no matter how prepared. You know, so with an some event of it, like this. some of but, it is. I mean, just from some of the details, I won't go into. I know that they could be doing a better job. <laughs> yeah, of of preparing for this, uh, and also this idea that you know, hey, this is crazy and the traffic's huge. What do you think the simultaneous stream count is? Yeah, what do you think yeah, it is? Exactly. It's it's not as big as people think. No, it's listeners, not. you yeah, you exactly. think it's ten million or something? It's not. It's not even no, close. No, no. no. So no. this idea. Do, do you know what it is, Dan? Yeah. If I threw out a number, can you tell me if I'm in the range? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay. No. I, I, I'm I'm going to guess it's around a million and a half. Oh no, that's that's too low. That's too low. That's too low. That's too okay. low. But right. if we think of, if you're talking AMA average minute audience, look at some past Super Bowls and whatnot. Right? What are they in the yeah. four million, five million range? Right. This idea that like what Amazon is doing well, is that's just so revolutionary. A million and a half. Like, is it about half? You know. Uh, but anyway. Uh, we, half of this we've group. seen events like this with this type of traffic delivered almost flawlessly. Yeah, sure. Right. Sure. So this idea that like, oh, but you know, this is such a big scale for Amazon. It's not. And also, by the way, Amazon's an infrastructure provider. Fox, yeah, NBC, true. and CBS are not. They are not. Yeah. Uh, going back in the NFL issues, DirecTV. Oh my God. Horrific week two problems. They're offering refunds all over the place. Streaming was down for everybody for over an hour. Oh. <laughs> Yep. Oh, no. And they already apologized after week one. So, man, wow. that was just. Ooh, that's that was, a big ouch. That was brutal. So we'll see what they do this this Sunday. Actually, I'll be on a plane this Sunday. So someone else is going to have to watch that. <laughs> um, jumping into just some more sports. CBS Sports says that Paramount Plus um, with NFL games and local markets as well scored its most streamed NFL regular season game ever. But what happened? They gave out no numbers. Mm. So and that was for last weekend. So we don't we don't know what that means. Sure. Uh, moving on to more sports stuff, Mark. This is obviously interesting, and a lot of people have been talking about this. Is that the it's been reported the MLB, NBA, and the NHL 
may uh, do a buyout of Diamond Sports, which is coming out with the new Pally's yeah. Plus streaming service yeah. uh, in 21 regional markets. So quite interesting. Like here they are about to roll this out, but they're losing so much money mm-hmm. that the leagues themselves are, are thinking of just doing a buyout. Bailing them out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that is that is fascinating just to think yeah. of how much money they've yeah. put into launching this service, which is yeah. 21 regional markets is about half the local broadcast markets around the country. Mm-hmm. So that's a very interesting one to watch over the next few weeks. It sounds like, and there's so many different sources reporting from this, pretty much the same thing. It sounds like a deal is, is close Probably to Probably going to happen. Yeah. So we'll watch what that means for sports. Uh, moving on to some some industry news, uh, we've seen an acquisition. Yes, we have. So IMAX announced this week uh, an acquisition of SimWave, which I which I think is is really good for for SimWave and the team, uh, especially just in terms of the resources they're now going to have with IMAX. So yeah, IMAX is is acquiring them for twenty one million dollars, eighteen point five million in cash, two point five million in stock. There's an additional four million payout potentially based on certain things, um, and and for those that don't know, SimWave, uh, you know, their, their goal basically is to to help content owners and broadcasters provide the best quality video by doing this perceptual AI uh, technology that they have, which they license as a software. So, for the first time that I'd seen publicly, they also announced in the press release that Disney, Paramount, Global, Warner Brothers, Discovery are, are their customers. Yeah. Now, we knew the Disney one because they announced a deal with Disney in Q4 of last year. Yeah. So interesting here because one, um, the company had only raised a few million dollars under five million. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're getting a nice buyout. They don't have a lot of revenue, but obviously IMAX is buying this for the technology. Uh, there are about 40 people total at SimWave. Uh, the entire management team, the entire company are going to come over. They'll be a fully owned subsidiary of IMAX, but they're going to operate independently and they fall under this division at IMAX called IMAX Enhanced. So for people who don't know what that is, um, IMAX announced what they're tentatively calling IMAX 3.0 last year. And their goal is to expand beyond film and, and offer concerts, stand-up comedy, performance, sporting events, sporting events, but also bringing that into the home. Yeah. So if you go on Disney Plus right now, there's about 12 to 13 titles that Disney has that has a variation called um, Enhanced. Disney Plus, uh, what is it? IMAX Enhanced. And yeah. so the titles feature an expanded aspect, aspect ratio, which they say allows you to see um, 26% more of the original image. So the goal here is, and, and, and what the, the company told me is, their technology is not going to be brought into movie theaters. That's not the goal. The goal is to now allow IMAX to work with all these content owners that they already know, mm-hmm. already have relationships with, and enable them to offer better quality video inside the home. Yeah. I think that's cool. Yeah, I agree. And, uh, you know, I, I think this makes a lot of sense. Um, IMAX is focused on quality quality of experience and and simwave really uh they you know they've pioneered this whole new uh you know really a category i would call it called video experience automation 
And and the idea, what's super unique for the listeners who aren't you know familiar with them, is that everybody knows quality metrics, but they all kind of work in a slice. You know, and kind of think of it as like a slice of the overall workflow. And people are usually very focused on the encoding. And, and yet there are way too many of examples for a lot of reasons, some completely valid reasons why you can have a very, very high quality, great looking uh, encode that by the time it gets to the viewer, uh, it, it, you know, it certainly doesn't look like it was originally encoded or produced, you know, that video was intended and SimWave is able to look across, you know, with their platform, the entire, basically end to end and, and assign a score. And it's, really accurate it correlates very closely to human vision and so just knowing about their technology and then knowing you know the imax experience when i read it on one hand i thought oh wow that i didn't quite see that coming and then i went makes total sense you know yeah yeah i i I think it's good initially i was like okay how's imax using this in the theater the fact they want to come home exactly yeah. Um, I, I think it's a good deal also you know credit to to these to these guys you know simwave because it's it's not tons of money, right? I mean, it's you know you're talking tens of millions, but they got a good return, yeah, on their investment, which was just a few million dollars. And the best part was they they funded their company based on revenue that came in from contracts. Well, you know, Dan, what's interesting is, and you know, I I really don't know all the particulars, so you know, maybe there's some private money from the founders or whatever, but really, you could call them bootstrapped. Yeah, because yeah. It, it was effectively, you know, one or a small number of customers who originally said, wow, we really believe in what you're doing. And then based on, you know, effectively funding, you know, those first few deals, it gave them the money to, you know, build a team and and then to, you know, really build the company, build the technology. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, you know, hey, I love the unicorn stories, but. You know, when someone goes out there and creates value and does it without having to raise a lot of money and yeah, you know, maybe it's not as sexy a story. You know, we love to talk about the companies get sold for 20 billion, you know, um, a la Figma, <laughs> um, but cute. you know, and, and that's great. And Hey, Figma, by the way, also amazing story, not in our space, but, but still, um, yeah. So I'm with you. I, yeah, I think I lo- this is, this is a, this is a good thing to celebrate. You know, even though the dollars may maybe aren't as high as some would have thought, um, right, right. But, but it's a good return. So it's a good return. Yeah, and then they're going to get the resources they need to expand that business. Exactly. Has, the other thing with IMAX is uh, they're almost free cash flow positive again during mm-hmm. the during the pandemic. Obviously, some some things took a hit here and there, but sure. they're they have the resources to help. So I like that. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so a couple and, other things, Mark. Here, uh, you're you're gonna love. This oh, this one. next one's gonna be interesting. Uh, so you don't know what I'm gonna say next because this oh, one popped up oh. on my feed while we're talking. Oh, okay. So Yankee slugger Aaron Judge, uh, you know, he's looking to break the American League single season home run record tonight, Friday. I think he's two behind. Um, and the game's on Apple TV Plus. Oh, right? it's a Friday okay. night game. So, all right, fans. Yankee fans, New York Yankee. fans, I guess, are complaining that they can't watch it on the U.S. network. Uh, so New York Attorney General has come out and said um, that it's not fair that New York fans are being asked to pay extra if they want to watch this exciting home run chase and potentially a historic game. It doesn't cost anything. It's completely free on uh, Apple TV+. Plus. You don't even have to use an Apple device. 
So just, you know, another example of where you've got a regulator coming out and making a statement and rallying people around it and yep. don't even have the facts right. Yeah. It's ridiculous. So when oh, somebody pointed boy. that out, then later they came back and said a comment of like, well, yeah, but it requires you to have an Apple ID, which is free. But even if, let's just say, a lot of people tune into the game to, to watch that, I don't think that impacts Apple in any way or future future viewership because a lot of people who, who potentially want to watch that, they're watching it because of the record. They're not Yankee fans. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's yeah. that's just the reality of it. Uh, so three more things, Mark. We're going to hit on uh, two things here that are definitely in your wheelhouse. So uh, let's do the quicker one first, which is just uh, Google added HEVC, HEVC yeah. support to Chrome. Yeah. Um, I actually saw that because Bitmovin popped out a little quick thing in their blog. And I was like, wait, yeah. what? Where was yeah, that from? what? <laughs> exactly. So interesting to see for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, a, a couple things to note, and this is probably obvious to our audience, but that uh, the underlying OS and obviously the device has to support, uh, has, has to have an HEVC decoder. You know, so just because Chrome supports it doesn't mean now like like every device running Chrome is going to be able to play back an HEVC file. Now, the good news is, is that most devices do support HEVC. So, hey, do we know what the percentage is now at this point? Mm -hmm. You know, I don't have, I should have, I should have grabbed those numbers. I, I don't know. Uh, obviously on Apple, it's literally a hundred percent. Right. Um, it, you know, so, so, so it's a hundred percent on Apple, um, windows. I mean, shoot, going all the way back to windows 10, which is now what? seven years old or something or how old it is um w windows has supported hevc and you know and and on the pc um android is the one i don't know it's my understanding that now if we're talking modern devices i.e say i'm just going to say newer than five years old um you can kind of say almost 100 percent support hevc but you know someone needs to go do the fact check on that so what I'm saying is I'm painting a picture that HEVC is now not as ubiquitous as H.264, but it is pretty darn close across the playback ecosystem. Yeah, so it's a big deal. It's a big deal. It's a it's a really, really big deal. Um, yeah, and maybe we'll I, do I another episode on Codex, you know. <laughs> I don't know that it was so surprising that they added support. I think it was just the fact that some people felt like they didn't really make a big deal of it when they came, came out because they're always adding more support inside Chrome. But yeah, it was the fact it was just kind of like, oh yeah, Chrome supports there. I mean, HVC supports there. There were some, you know, and Dan, uh, you know, maybe uh, this is a little bit outside of kind of the purpose of this show and and all. But um, if we wanted to do an episode and talk about almost like the the, the political side of Codex, <laughs> um, the whole Google HVC um, MPEG discussion oh, would be God, super interesting and. And, and again, maybe there's only a handful of nerds who would care about it, but it, it is fascinating. There is so much more to it. As usual, has nothing to do with technology. Nope. <laughs> nothing to do with yep. it. Yep. Yeah. The best technology is not what always gets adopted. Uh, no, 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 no. Yeah, but we this is, this is, this is big news and, and, and this is definitely going to, um, you know, change the landscape a bit, you know. Sounds like it. Sounds like so, it. So yeah. let's hit two more things here. Uh, one, we're going to 
talk about some some Twitch stuff here, and then we'll yeah we'll wrap up with just some what's going on in the market with some stocks and some companies and some funding. But so interesting that you and I both put up something on this Twitch news. I didn't see yours, thanks to LinkedIn being as bad as they are. Uh, but basically, what happened was um, Twitch's president Dan Clancy came out and in in a basically a blog post, very detailed. Um, yeah. Love the transparency. He came out and talked about revenue share split with creators on Twitch, and basically saying why some are going to get more or less than others, um, and, and laid it out really, really well. But the thing we found interesting, and obviously people in our industry, because I mean, I posted this little thing on LinkedIn a day ago, and it's already got seventy two hundred impressions. Yeah, right. You said yours had over ten. Mine's over eleven. Yeah, mine's over eleven thousand. It's just crazy. Yeah. So it's crazy. basically, inside this long letter. What he said was, quote, delivering high definition, low latency, always available live video to ne nearly every corner of the world is expensive. Yeah. Then he broke out the numbers using the published rates from AWS's interactive video services, which he says is essentially Twitch video. Live video costs for a 100 CCU streamer who streams 200 hours a month are more than $1,000 per month. So interesting to see some costs there directly because now you and all your encoding nerd friends who know way more about this stuff than I do can start debating the yeah. best way to deliver video. And and here, I don't think this the conversation here comes down to codecs right, or compression. No. It comes no. down to no. hardware and chips and, and the yeah. infrastructure side. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, let me jump in here, Dan, because, uh, I I've waded into the deep water and, uh, let me tell you, I, I've, I've gotten a little blowback from certain camps as you can imagine which ones. Uh, but look, um, th these are the facts and, and this is just stunning. So in my post, I, I, I start, I make the statement and this is what just really got me. Um, so I say, you know, this letter from Twitch president, Dan Clancy shows that video streaming operational cost is paramount to the economics of the entire business. Now, the reason why that is relevant and why I made that statement is that this letter had nothing to do with the cost. He was trying to justify why they're moving from a, well, he was trying to do two things. Um, it's It's been the best uh, kept secret that everybody knows that there's uh, certain people on Twitch who are getting a 70-30 split. And then I guess there's others who get 50, 50 and, right. you know, I'm not deep in the middle of it, but basically this is created when uh, the creators create a lot of consternation, you know, people are like, wait, why is this guy getting 70, 30? And I only have a hundred thousand less, you know, what are, you know, subscribers or viewers or whatever the metrics are. So he was addressing this and he basically was saying that they are moving everybody to a 50, 50. And he gave leave left a small carve out for, you know, for a few select, you know, meaning like, I don't know, PewDiePie or whoever these guys are that have like a hundred million you know followers where, you know, they're probably going to do a special deal. The point is, is that that's what the letter was about. It was about the, the payout, the, the rev share split, you know, basically to the creator. But then he writes this whole paragraph. I mean, it's, it's a paragraph and it's where detailed. he says, yeah, where he says, lastly, 
we have to talk about the cost of our service. And then he goes in to pull numbers. Now, this is him. This is Dan Clancy, the, the president of Twitch Interactive. You know, so this isn't like a blogger. This isn't me, you know, going off and doing a little research and, and theorizing. He put this in the letter as justification. Well, now let's look at YouTube. YouTube pays their creators 70-30. YouTube has the same scale as Twitch, probably higher. In fact, I tried to pull some numbers. I just get all the data together. So I'm not gonna, you know, try and try and throw out some numbers. But you know, let's just assume these both are large services. Okay. Uh, so how is it that YouTube can pay 70-30? And you can say, well, Google, you know, I don't know, maybe they have more money, whatever. But we're talking Amazon here, folks, <laughs> you know, so we're not talking a startup that's, you know, so what are the issue? Well, this actually was originally brought out. Um, in fact, uh, I got to give a shout out to a guy named Dylan Patel, who is actually uh, a pretty serious analyst in the Silicon space. Yeah, I saw that post. Very interesting. Yeah, and, and in all in an all disclosure, he covers NetInt and NetInt is, you know, is a company that, that I work with. So, you know, just being everything out there. But Dylan actually sent me an email. I didn't even see any of this. Dylan sent an email with like this, like, like, Hey, this might be a good thing for you guys to promote. <laughs> and he puts a link to his, to his tweet that he put out. And I looked at it and I went, Holy cow. So anyway, so the point is Dylan just makes a statement. He's like Twitch, Amazon got their payout to creators due to infrastructure costs. Meanwhile, YouTube offers 70, 30 revenue split with, by the way, 4k and quadruple the bit rate. This is the advantage of Google's custom silicon strategy because because Google YouTube uses an ASIC and Amazon, you know, they're reportedly working on one. As far as everyone knows, it's not deployed. They're basically on software. You know, so this is why this whole operational discussion, you're right, Dan, this doesn't have any, this isn't about, oh, it's a better codec or right. it's, you know, it's this really is the fact that now these platforms are getting to such a massive scale that if I'm spinning servers versus running hugely power efficient ASICs, I just, I just have a huge cost disadvantage. I mean, and you know, too to bad the point, them, to the point, Mark, that cost disadvantage of where you're passing that along, yes, to, along to the creators. creators. Yes. Yes. Big and deal. that's, yes, a big deal. And so this is, um, this is why, um, you know, and again, full disclosure, you can only imagine I've been contacted by some Twitch folks and, you know, and, and I won't share any details. Um, amazingly, they couldn't debunk my claims. You know, they tried to, they said, oh, we're running hardware. I said, show me where you're running hardware. Where's your public statement? What? Well, you know, it's like they couldn't do it. So they're basically running software. And guess what? They had to cut their payouts to creators as a result. So it's, it's fascinating. Very, very yeah. fascinating. Well, you know, it, it also, to me, shows the example of everybody's running around saying, listen, there's some companies that'll just spend dollars on anything. It doesn't matter. Yeah, exactly. Okay, just like my Amazon. <laughs> yeah. Okay. They just cut payouts to content creators. Yeah. I did that blog post a few weeks ago about how even some of the largest content owners in the world were cutting bit rates to save money. Yeah. You exactly. cannot be in this business yeah. industry right now, and that's any industry you want. Yeah. And no matter how much money you're making or how profitable you yeah. are, um, not do something to cut costs because you'll just get crushed in the markets if you're public. Yeah. 
which takes us, Mark, to the final topic, mm, to the markets, <laughs> which is just the market. So just to let's just talk real quick, high level, you know, some things I was thinking. So to give everyone an idea, just before the markets closed today, so these numbers might be off by a percentage or two, I pulled year to date how much some stocks are down in our industry. So to give you an idea, Fastly's down 77%, mm. Edgeo's 23%, Braco's 38%, Akamai's 38%, Cloudflare's 56%. Vimeo is 75%. Wow. Now, if we look at content owners, Disney's 37%. Apple is yeah. the best at only 18% down. Crazy. Who would have thought? Who would have thought we'd say Apple's doing good at only 18% yep. down? Who would have thought we'd say 18% down for Apple? <laughs> you know, much less. Now, Roku, 74%. Yeah. Oh. Same for Fubu, 74%. Netflix is down 61%. Well, they brought that up. They were yeah, down that, like 70 in the low 70s. So yeah, I mean, they, that number was almost hitting 80 yeah. at one point. Yeah, it was. It was Amazon's bad. down 33% and Google's yeah. down 32%. So yeah. how does this impact you? If you're listening, right, you don't understand what's going on in the markets, here's what you have to realize yeah. is, you know, the Fed just raised the interest rate mm. of three quarters of a percent again this week. Yeah. So what you have to realize is as long as the Fed consider, continues to raise the rate, stocks are going to go down. Yeah. In particular, tech. Because Fed officials have raised the the benchmark for short-term borrowing, you know, that rate a total of five times this year. Mm-hmm. Five times, including in June and July. So what does that mean? It means that, you know, credit card rates are the highest since 1996. Yeah. I looked that up. Mortgage rates are the highest since 2008. Yeah, it's crazy. So last year and this year are very different when it comes to what's taking place in the markets and the potential, this is the key, is that the potential for volatility in capital markets remains really high. Yeah. And as a result, the range of possible outcomes is really wide. Mm-hmm. So what does that mean? It means risk, which investors are okay with risk because they understand some of that. The problem that investors are having is how do they properly judge the value of a lot of companies in our space, be it vendors, be it broadcasters, content owners, streamers, when there's so much uncertainty in the market. Yeah. So you work at one of these companies, you work at a company that's private, right? It might be harder for them to get money. Now, the yeah. rate that's actually being raised here, just so everyone's aware, that's that's not the rate that companies are paying if they go out and borrow money from a bank. The rate yeah. that's being raised is the rate that the banks pay each other when they loan each other money. Yeah. Yeah. That's That's what this is here. But it impacts everything out there. So we are still going to see challenges in our market for quite some time. You know, we've, we've seen companies do layoffs. Um, we, I think there's going to be more layoffs, even from some of the companies that have already done them. I think they're going to have to cut a little bit deeper. Yeah. Um, it's it's going to stink still for quite a, quite a bit of time, I think. Yeah. Uh, and then the other thing to think about is, okay, even if this gets better, you know, 2024, we have a whole new election again. And depending what happens there, that also impacts what takes place in the market, the economy, everything taking place in Europe with the with the war. Uh, so there's a lot of factors here in 2022 that we didn't necessarily have in 2021. So what I always say to people when they talk about stock price or anything, I just say, listen, do your job, take care of your customers, your company will do well over time, your stock price will go up. In the meantime, start learning other things to advance your career. Yeah. And if, if, if you're in a particular field and you don't know SQL yet, learn it. You don't know Python, learn it. And if you're in sales, something related, and you don't know Salesforce and Tableau well, learn it. Get your yeah. get your certificate. 
because yeah. it'll make you worth more money uh, in a market that'll be harder to find a job. So I, I, I think that's important because I just, I certainly don't see things getting better and from talking to companies and looking at balance sheets, some of which are public, um, you know, things are not improving. Yeah. Yeah, Dan, we've talked for some time that, you know, we're going to do a session and, you know, maybe a little bit of a business, um, I don't know what we're going to call it exactly, but, um, you know, give some tools. Streaming media. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But give some tools because, you know, and I just want to circle around and then we can wrap it up here. But um, I I really think, you know, it's interesting this week that this whole Twitch thing came out that we just talked about a few minutes ago because it's, it's, it's an example. And I, you know, I don't want to go down a rabbit hole and share, you know, uh, um, inappropriately, you know, certain conversations, but, you know, they're, they're, when, when the times are booming, um, you know, you, you can build things and you can make certain technology choices, um, because like, who cares? You know, we have to spun, spin up 25 more AWS instances. I'm just saying, you know, like just do it. Oh, are, is it going to be better? Oh yeah. yeah. Let's, all right. Just do it. Now is not the time to be doing cool, tweaky experiments. Now is the time to be going in and saying, how can we, how can I bring real operational savings? How can I bring cost savings? How can I look at something that, that, that we're doing and I can bring to my company, you know, something that ultimately is going to save money or something if uh, better yet, it's going to drive revenue. But in a lot of cases, especially around engineering, you know, that's a little bit tough, you know, to, to connect that, but we can really connect to cost savings. And uh, so anybody who's listening, you know, as you're kind of looking at your own job, um, and what you do, you know, just day to day, any way that you can bring an impact to the business, you know, in terms of efficiency, greater efficiency, reducing costs. Let me tell you, this is the time to be focused on doing those activities. And then we can get back maybe to the, to the go, go, you know, boom days when we can go burn money doing fun things. But right now, this is not the time to be doing that. You know, yeah, I, I, I think it's a great point. I'm glad you brought that up, Mark. I think you said it well. Um, you know, I'll just add to that. If, if people don't know how to do that, you know, first thing you should do if, if you work at a public company is know your financials. Yeah. Right? Know your profit and loss. Know, know what your CapEx spend is. Know what OpEx expenses are. If you don't know what those are, you can learn those. You can take little classes online. YouTube videos will teach you that. But start off with knowing the data and the numbers because to Mark's point, you have to bring a mindset of profitability and KPIs and, and knowing how to track what's taking place in the company. Even to your point, Mark, in engineering, the biggest thing I hear from companies is the number one scarcity they have right now is engineering resources and time because there's so much to get done. Mm-hmm. So That's that true. means you have to prioritize. Where are you going to get the yeah. most value for the business, to your point, where you can see a return? Yeah. It's key. Yeah, that's right. So uh, we're definitely going to talk about that further down the line for sure. Well, that's a wrap for this week, Mark. Uh, we covered a lot here. Stuck to time somewhat. Sorry, a little bit over here. Um, we also have a, a couple companies that have already put out, believe it or not, they've already put out um, earning dates for for uh, quarterly revenue in October. Hmm. So within another three weeks, we're going to be we're going to be here we go. some quarterly numbers. <laughs> here again. we go again. <laughs> yep, already, yeah. which is just incredible how quickly the time goes by with that. But, uh, you know, that's, that's what we've got today. Um, take a look in on LinkedIn and Twitter. I've put up all the numbers you've seen. I've done some blog posts on the Amazon stuff and we're probably not going forward, going to do too much on Amazon anymore. Cause I kind of feel like we've, we've, we've yeah. put that to bed. We'll cover some other things as well. Uh, also a quick shout out to Agora as always. Thank you. 
to them. They've been supporting the podcast, I think, literally from the first one. Um, so appreciate their support. You can check them out at Agora, E-G-O-R-A dot I-O. Uh, and then everything Mark and I talked about, Twitter and LinkedIn. See Mark's uh, LinkedIn post uh, more so than mine on all the stuff around encoding because you guys are obviously discussing that a lot better than I am. And and that post you talked about that you linked to where the gentleman yeah. talked about you know the the Google Silicon. That was really interesting. Yeah. A lot of good information there. So any questions, hit Mark and I up. Otherwise, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Have a great rest of the week. If you enjoyed the show, send it to a friend. Think Dan and Mark are wrong? Let them know on LinkedIn. And be sure to check out Dan's blog at streamingmediablog.com.